So, uh, those of you who would like to be part of Children's Chapel may now turn this way to the Mary Chapel, following Jarrett. Meanwhile, the rest of us will pray. O loving God, this is your day of great joy. Open our hearts to your Gaudete, and let us rejoice, and help us to coax joy out from behind her sister Sarah. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. A desert full of flowers is not a miracle. Flowers bloom in the desert every time it rains, which is not often to be sure, but it does happen, especially in the springtime. That's because deserts are filled with seeds and bulbs and stream beds and dry ponds. And they wait. They wait for long stretches for water to bring them to root and to bloom to make them spectacularly what they are. But when rain is particularly abundant, and when that's followed by just the right kind of cold snap, you get something really rare, a super bloom. That's when everything in the desert explodes into life at once and every sandy patch is covered with wild flowers. Last spring, a super bloom in California could be seen from space. And the highways were filled with tourists making their way to see it. A desert full of flowers is not a miracle. But in the hands of Isaiah, it is a metaphor for the truth that the super bloom of God's presence among us has happened before, that it is happening now, and that it will happen again. You might say today is Super Bloom Sunday. We have our pink candle, the theme of joy in the middle of waiting. It's the day where we whisper the secret that everything we are waiting for is already happening. Why do we need a reminder of this? Because waiting is difficult. It can be heartbreaking and demoralizing. Wait too long and you can begin to forget what you have seen with your own eyes. You can begin to forget the promises that were made to you. John the Baptist in his prison cell is in that place today. Recall that earlier in the Gospel of Matthew, the news of John's arrest comes after Jesus' baptism, but before he begins his public ministry. John had been baptizing with the waters of repentance to get Israel ready for a Messiah that he was positive was on his way. And then up walked that Messiah and said, baptize me. Then there was the voice from heaven and the dove. Unforgettable, right? <laughs> After that, Jesus went to the desert and John went to detention. 
And so John never got an actual glimpse of Jesus in action. And you have to wonder what kind of news he was getting in prison, because the question he sends out is so strange, and their grammar is so bizarre, given the fact that he himself had named Jesus' vocation just a few chapters before. Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? John is a man of the desert. He knows how to wait patiently with the dusty seeds and the bulbs and the dry riverbeds just under his feet. But he also speaks Isaiah fluently, which is what Jesus uses in his return message. It almost sounds like a code to get past the guards. Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. In essence, Jesus is saying, John, your desert is in super bloom. Everything is coming alive out here. What does that tell you? John got to experience joy in his prison cell. And today, we have a pink candle amidst the blues. The week before last, I went on a self-guided retreat to get ready for this weekend for my ordination to the priesthood on Friday, which many of you attended, and for this celebration today. I gave myself 24 hours I slept for several of them. <laughs> and because it was self-directed, I grabbed a bunch of books off my shelf the night before to use when I got there. One was called The Song of the Sea, A Monastic Way of Tending the Soul by Macrina Whitaker, a Roman Catholic Benedictine sister. It had been on my shelf for 20 years. I know it. <laughs> it's a book of at-home retreats that uses meditation and contemplation and Lectio Divina, a process for deeply reflecting on the scriptures. A different theme every day. I only needed two. This would do. In fact, when I flipped through the table of contents, I found just what I was looking for. A reflection on sorrow and a reflection on joy, back to back. It was a sign. Sorrow and joy are like sisters, Whitaker says, though joy often seems to hide behind sorrow and needs to be coaxed out at times. And so it had been for me in the weeks leading up to my ordination, because it's been a really long wait. <laughs> As many of you know, 25 years from beginning to end. And there have been many times when I've stumbled into the deep pools of loss that still want grieving, the leave-taking of one faith tradition to enter another, 
the locks that clicked behind me, the relationships that broke when I answered God's call to be a priest. The nearer this week drew, the more abundant the tears, until sorrow was beginning to feel like a prison cell. So, 24 hours to put everything in place. Parts of two days and an overnight spent at the nearby Granite Lake Spiritual Center, which turned out to be just enough. This prayer from Macrina's book helped me a great deal as I worked to coax Joy out from behind her sister, Sarah. Jesus, deep within my heart lives a creature of joy, a little thing with wings that wants to sing through all my sorrows. I've kept it buried. I've kept it secret. But it's hard to keep secret something that sings. Help me to learn the art of singing in the midst of my sorrows. Teach me to sing my way out of the tomb. Now some of you here, knew me in my singing days and my songwriting days. <clears throat> song after song just poured out of me and onto scrap paper and into notebooks, songs on homemade tapes and on professional CDs, 20 years old now or more, of which there may be four boxes in the parish hall. <laughs> secret something that sings. And when I think of it, those songs were my super bloom in the wilderness, my holy way. Back then, I sang a lot. And I preached sometimes. These days, it's really the reverse. But I've been thinking that maybe the same charism lies behind each. Vocation is a calling and a sending. But it's also a gifting. And sometimes those graces are there from the beginning, but are hidden. They're out of sight, like those seeds and bulbs and dry riverbeds buried so long in the sand waiting for the rain that will activate them. In the desert, plants live much of their lives as seeds and only briefly bloom, which is their way of becoming seeds again. Which part of the desert plant, waiting seed or blooming flower, is not its true self? And which part of us, the waiting part or the arriving part, is not our true self? Perhaps that helps us understand why Jesus would call our suffering blessed and give us a cross to put our hope in. 
because we simply do not know all the gifts God has placed among us and what will bring them to bloom and to seed again. But we have seen it before somewhere. It is happening now somewhere. And it will come here again. Amen. Amen.